You're listening to episode 181 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season three of TNT's The Librarians. And this is, what, like three days after Christmas. So uh, things starting to calm down. You're waiting for a refrigerator. I'm waiting yeah. to uh, run out of here to my mother-in-law's. All right. It's fun. Yeah. You want to trade? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I think I got the better end of that one. Yeah, probably. Uh, if it actually arrives this time, so we'll see. Yeah, but uh, good holiday so far? Yeah, it's been good. All right. A little bit of a cold run through the family, but other than that, I think we're okay. Uh, that sucks. So, All right, well... Tonight, we're here to discuss The Librarian, Season 3, Episode 6, titled The Librarians and the Trial of the Triangle. And this is the first time we've had a Christmas episode, even though it wasn't Christmas-themed, but it aired on Christmas night. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, you know? Yeah, I... I I was completely expecting... I guess, I mean, that's not a bad thing that they did something you weren't expecting, but you'd expect there'd be some kind of Christmas theme going on as it's on Christmas night, right? You wonder whether or not they knew it was going to air. Most shows just opted to not air an episode and are coming back New Year's Day evening, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> Which is, you know, an issue in and of itself, although most people have to work January 2nd. So I get that. Not most people, just us. Well, no, nah, I think most people. Most people feel, outside no, I of think, our. I think a lot of people got off, I think, because it's like a federal holiday. Oh, right. Good point. Yeah. That's right. But either way, I actually got to see it Christmas night. Now, I didn't see it live, I, you know, after I got home from uh, that devastating loss. Yeah, that was pretty bad. But I did get to watch it Christmas night. And, you know, we'll get to that in a second. And, and you know, you guys wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't watch it. So shoot us an email about what you thought about this episode, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Check out the website, leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip. If you want, send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch, join the Facebook group and, you know, post your thoughts there. So it was, well, we haven't done this so well. If you haven't watched it yet, you should really stop listening right now. Exactly. And go and watch it. I, I guess it's kind of been self-evident before, but you know, every now and then we should throw that out there just in case. Well, you would think, but regardless, it, it was a good episode, uh, maybe a great episode. I'm still struggling with the fact that and i've mentioned this to you before and you didn't want to hear it then and you're not going to want to hear it now (laughs) but it's out there on the internet is that the executive producers have said i saw it go ahead somebody's gonna die yeah i i I just saw that about 10 minutes ago okay and i was like ah you know you can't like like i saw the headline so it's not even like even if i didn't want to read the article i can't unsee that you know Right, and, and I mentioned this episode, written by Noah Wiley, directed by Jonathan Frakes, and, and of yeah. course, as we said, it aired Christmas night, 2016. I thought it was a great episode, maybe the best of the season so far. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I could, I could, 
I could be on board with that assessment. I mean, there's a lot to like now. Uh, you, yeah, you, definitely. You know, I mean, obviously you got the story about finding the eye of Ra, but more importantly, this story of Flynn being forced to confront the implications of the life he's chosen to live. And, you know, getting back to the death thread for a second, it, all systems seem to be pointing that Flynn Carson is the one that's going to die. No, no question. At, at this point, it seems like he's he's the one that's going to who, who's going. But you know, when they say something like you know someone's going to there's going to be a death or something, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be one of the you know five main characters. Well, see, now I would disagree. I think it has to be. Uh, otherwise, you're really cheating. Yeah, the that's true too. Yeah, you're putting it out there like that, right? Right. Now, I, I think it's safe to say it's not going to be one of the three young librarians. Which then leaves you with Eve, Jenkins, Flynn Carson, and Charlene. Right. See, Charlene was kind of who I was thinking. And and I think that would be the easy choice. Right. So that is, are they just pointing us in the wrong direction with, with Flynn? You know, uh, now I know what I have to do because he knows somebody has to be sacrificed. Now, I guess he could say, well, I know I have to kill Charlene. <laughs> but I, yeah, right. I, that's just not... <laughs> No, he, yeah, and clearly he knows that he has to sacrifice himself, and he's cool with you know he's down with that. Like he, you know, he, as he said, I couldn't, I, it couldn't be someone else. You know, the only person whose life he, he could lay down is, and he doesn't finish that sentence, but we realize he's the fishing is is my own. Yeah, I mean, like right now, obviously they put it out there that there's going to be a, a death. And right now, obviously, uh, if we were going to form, a, I guess the next thing we have to do is to form a Deadpool. Dave, we got to make a draft and pick out uh, who, who we think is going to who's going to go. Well, I really do think it's going to be Flynn, and I, I think because of who the actor that plays him, Noah Wiley, seems to want to follow in the footsteps of someone like Jonathan Frakes, which is to direct uh, as well as write, which. Every, you know, the episodes he's written and, and directed have certainly been fine episodes, so you, you understand that. I think we can afford to deal with his death. In fact, I think his death would really propel the show in so many different possible directions because right. his impact is going to be monumental on not only Eve, Jenkins, the three librarians, you know, everybody. Sure. And, um, you know, he could turn into like what Judson was before, right? I guess maybe like the kind of Ben Kenobi ghost in the mirror type thing. Here's the only thing I'm thinking. Okay. And I'm looking at this kind of from a practical standpoint, if I'm Noah Wiley, and I realize that the librarians is, it's a franchise, right? Sure. It's not just the TV show. That's the three movies before and potentially, whatever form it could take in, in the future by killing off Flynn Carson, like Noah Wiley's basically saying, I'm that's, that's it for me playing Flynn. Right. Sure. Unless you do flashbacks, which I certainly see as a possibility, right. but you couldn't do like a librarian movie in the future. It's just flashbacks. Right. Well, sure. But so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm just saying like, I don't like that's, that's your, your, cutting yourself off from something pretty, a pretty 
big franchise. Not cutting himself because obviously, as a director, as a writer, as, you know, he's involved in a million ways in the show. But to you know, never be able to go back out as Flynn as a you know like an, an adventuring type situation, uh, being at best relegated to a like I said, either like the the Judson in the mirror or flashbacks. I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty big step there, you know. Well, yeah, but you could argue they haven't made a movie since what two thousand ten, right? Well, they've had the TV show, and right. I, I mean, I'm and just now saying, the companion like, novels, right? Right. So, uh, you know, like who knows what the the future would bring, you know? And, and, but if you kill off Lynn, then then the future is gone. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Well, it's certainly something engaging to keep our eye on as we go through the last four episodes after tonight so okay so at the end we're gonna do a draft we're gonna pick well, pick who we think is gonna get get it oh well, we could yeah okay sounds good all right we do get the return of dosa with that agent that's tracking them and and somehow gets on the plane and then of course we see uh dosa just very briefly in the episode's epilogue but the whole idea of the eye of Ra, it's going to be the artifact that will stop the release of pure evil, or at least will combat it if it does get released. But the catch, as we've been alluding, is, is that Flynn is going to be required to take a life. And, and of course, there are no good choices in this. So will he pick the lesser of two evils? Uh, is this Flynn's swan song, uh, as we alluded to a few yeah. minutes ago, if in fact he chooses himself? I think we're probably going to see well I'll, I'll save it for the end what i think is going to happen so okay all right well I, I love the opening of the episode with the team holding an intervention with flynn you know we see the ninjas you know come put a sack over his head take him away and we i mean you figure again i keep thinking okay this is the serpent brotherhood again yeah but then of well, course it's not right i mean it the first thought, it could be any number of people that they've kind of angered over the last two and a half seasons, any one of which of the, those bad guys could be coming back to exact revenge or a new threat, but it's nothing, none of the above. Well, I guess I would have been disappointed if it was a new threat since we've already got Dosa and APEP. I, I think two two threats in a 10-episode yeah, right. season is plenty. That's- Plenty, yeah, exactly. But, you know, they sit him down and they want to force him to come to terms with the man and the librarian that he's become. And, you know, the fact that they have to find the Eye of Ra, which is the artifact they'll need to stop the coming end of days, seems to, you know, kind of get in the way. He's almost angry that they want to go through with this. And I think that speaks to his character that he just doesn't see and understand how his attitude affects other people. From his point of view, it's like we're super busy trying to stop the leaking of evil into the world. And they're, you know, as you know, he says like, you know, as, as you're sitting here cataloging your hurts or whatever. Oh, that was awesome, um, by the way. Yeah, um, you know, he's been out trying to spin out fighting evil, uh, but you know they all make a good point that when he brings up the Eye of Ra, like, well, if you had told us what you were doing, we could have helped you trying to find it. 
as they do. Once they kick in, then they actually locate it and find it pretty quickly. Right. And, he could have been saved himself a lot of trouble by working with the team rather than on his own, which is what they're saying. Right, exactly. And Cassandra even says, you're not the enemy, you're a teammate, e- even though he feels as if he's being attacked. And, and look, I, you understand that. That's the whole nature of an intervention. But I, I, I love Ezekiel goes first, and he's got the, the long printout <laughs> of the catalog of Hertz, as you mentioned. But he brings up the issue that Flynn just doesn't trust him. But what it really comes down to, and Ezekiel has figured this out, is that he wants people to do things the way he would do them, not the right. way they would do them. And and it was really nice to see Ezekiel in a more serious tone, just saying, you know, I think I'm pretty good the way I am. And I think we're yeah. pretty good the way we are. And you just need to come to accept that. He raised a good issue as well. The library invited him to be the librarian. You know, so it's not like he's not qualified for it. The library chose him. Right. So. You could almost say end of story. Yeah. Yeah. QED. Right. Now, Cassandra, I again, I loved, I mean, I feel badly that she had to express this and that, that, his attitude towards her makes her feel this way, but you know, she basically tells him that she feels marginalized by his dismissive nature. Even when one of the three has a better idea than his, it's almost like, no, no, well, hold off. Give me time. I'll think of something even better than yours. Right. Which is not the way a teammate should act. Poor, poor teamwork right there. Yes, absolutely. Right. And then stone comes up and, and, and of course, we had to have some poetry or at least a C.S. Lewis quote about friendship, which gives value to survival. I do like, you know, the comparison that Stone makes about the wall that he's built up around himself. Slowly, it's coming down for the other members of the team, but he recognizes what Flynn's doing, you know, that, that you know, he feels as if he doesn't want to get too close to somebody because he is afraid to lose them. Yeah, you know, I, I found Stone's, I don't know if I'd necessarily want to say out of character, but it's just like, you know, he's probably seemed to have the whiniest of the, the, the uh, out of all the catalog of Hertz, you know, like basically like, I just want to get to know you, let me in, please. You know, it's just like, dude. Well, you know, we've criticized Cassandra's hand waving in the past, and, and we'll get to that tonight, which I thought was done brilliantly, and, and really loved it. And, and maybe that's because absence makes the heart grow fonder. Which my quoting that famous line brings me back to my question for you about Stone: Is Stone quoting too much literature, episode to episode? Right. Yeah, that's that good point. To, to where he's not really revealing. His own thoughts, he's using the thoughts of others. Now, you could sure. argue that, you know, this is how I feel. He's just saying it more eloquently, but this is Jacob Stone, for goodness sakes. It's not as yeah. if he's, you know, some guy that's been working on an oil well for the last 10 years. Yeah. I just, I kind of feel like the, his character has kind of got a little short shrift this season, you know? It has. Like, and so. They're basically like, oh, remember he's the the guy who's really smart and has read a lot. So here we're going to show you because he's going to, you know, throw another quote out at you or something. You know, so 
Uh, yeah, I think we're we're due for a a Jake centric episode here because he's been kind of in a supporting role almost. You know, th- this whole season really hasn't had much development go his way. Yeah, that's a good point. That could be one of your draft picks, but no, Dif- <laughs> different draft. I can't. I can't even bring myself to pick Christian Kane. No, I, I can't. Oh my I can't God. pick Jacob Stone. I'll have, to, would... I'll have to edit that out. I don't want anybody to hear that you were even thinking that. <laughs> All right. Well, then we get to Eve, who, on the one hand, I was a little bit surprised that she opened up her heart and talks about how the two of them feel about each other, which does lead him to admit that he's loved her since the first time they met. And and again, I love how they edit. That's not, he doesn't say that yet. Well, well, right, right, right. But but later on, uh, yeah, right. He yeah. says that later on. Yeah. But every time he's talking about how the two of them feel about each other, and and even her talking about how she feels, you know, they they kind of cut back to the other three, and it's almost like watching mom and dad uh, talking about something that we shouldn't really be hearing. I mean, not not like right. you know we're getting divorced or your father lost right. his job or, you know, nothing like that, but almost like yeah. kind of embarrassing, but you don't want to look away. Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to talk about the other? Cause I mean, this conversation in the beginning ties in well with the one in the airport, right? When they discussed their relationship. Well, right. And what was cool about that is that it starts as merely a distraction. Right. And then, and then, and then evolves into, you know, really again, opening up, what each is thinking about the other. Yeah. That was really, I mean, like, again, like Noah Wiley as a writer, well done. Yeah. Son. yeah. Good job. It was a very well-written episode because we kind of realize almost the same time as Eve, we can see from her face, we are, we almost at the same moment figure out, oh, wait a second, this isn't, while it is supposed to be a distraction, what they're talking about is real. Yes. And, um, I was just really, really great how they did that, and for you know Flynn to say, "Listen, what and what what guy or I guess probably girls experience this too, but it's like, what what do you want me to be? You know, like what do you want? Just tell me what you want, I will do it. You know, you know, just trying to figure out what the other person, what what their hopes are, what their desires, instead of just you know like being angry or annoyed all the time like what do you want well, you know? well right and, and she tells him i want you to be the hero which again when we get to that point I, I i have some more thoughts on that because you know when it first comes out of her mouth well we knew that's what she was going to say and and sure. we would say the same thing but then upon further review i i'm not quite sure how i feel <laughs> about it but but regardless flynn just doesn't get it i mean she tells him essentially she sees sees him as being self-destructive and you know even though he recognizes the coming evil he still doesn't seem to get that they're gonna have to work together right but yeah which you think he would have i mean i thought he had this sorted out by this point but i guess he he had you know it's kind of like the the issue with from season one of jacob not trusting uh cassandra it's like wait haven't you worked that out yet? Is this still a thing? And actually, we realized it's because they did the the episodes out of order. That you know, in later episodes, he was still grappling with this issue. It was really supposed to be during earlier episodes. Um, but yeah, it's like after you know two plus seasons, and Flynn still is like, 
it, his going off on his own is still a thing, and it is. You know? well, so. well, right, and what he does, he, he throws out the eye of Ra as the key to stopping the evil, almost to stop the intervention. And, and you know, does he do it deliberately because it makes him uncomfortable, or does he do it because he just can't help himself? But it's this self-indulgent behavior that's driving the wedge between him and the team, which obviously includes Eve. And what we have to ask is whether or not Eve can prevent this from splintering the members of the library, which might be where we're headed. Yeah, it it could be. Or it, it could be something where the loss of one of them will kind of rally everyone else together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and again, I will go back to uh, if it is Flynn, I think that would be the the rallying point that that he would more or less have redeemed himself for the faults that he has. I mean, look, obviously he's overwhelmingly a good man. Yes, that has some faults, but right now the other interesting thing I found in the intervention was as each of the young ones was pretty pointed in their criticisms, Eve would step in and rephrase what they were saying. I think what Ezekiel means to say, right. <laughs> which I thought was, uh, was, again, really well done. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now, we're introduced to a former librarian, Teddy Chislington, and, and you were mentioning before we went on the air that that you knew him from somewhere. Yeah, at first I knew, like I knew him, and then just like right Right, right before we went, all of a sudden it hit me that he was in Doctor Who, uh, season six, I believe, where the uh, where Matt Smith is killed by you know an astronaut comes out of the water, uh, shoots the doctor, and the doctor dies, and uh, this guy shows up right after with a gas can in order to to burn the body, um, and and that was the dude. He was actually Mark Shepard. Uh, played the younger version of that guy because they go back in time to the 60s and everything. So, um, but yeah, another Doctor Who uh, reference, the very direct one here. Right, and he is introduced as the last librarian to actually have possession of the Eye of Ra, but he went down in 1886 in a in a storm, and and you know we won't get into all the details, but but again, sometimes, and it's a it's a minor criticism I have that. Sometimes the librarians, whether it's science or in this case history, it's they throw so much at you that you know the average person is not going to sit there and take notes and write things down and try to piece things out. Regardless, he goes down in a storm, and we have. Cons- but I think it it seemed like that was either the, he purposefully created the storm or knew this because like he meant for that. Right, he meant to go down so that they could keep the eye hidden. It, it right, exactly. We find out what the Bermuda Triangle really is in this episode, which is right. pretty cool. Yeah, but but here's where we've got Cassandra doing the hand waving thing. Yeah, but which, as you said, it's okay. It's good. We're not going to sit there and criticize it because uh, they've they've actually stepped back from it for a couple episodes. Now, so. now did you notice that the visual effects look different? It seemed like it was much like usually. I have no idea what she's, you know, banging on about around that. But this time, you could actually kind of see what what she like. I could more clearly see her thinking. I guess. Exactly, and I think that was uh, again a, a brilliant 
change to make? Because as you said, usually what we see are mathematical equations and and you know uh, geographic design or not geographic um, geometric designs, which right. again to the lay person don't mean anything and. Or at least the lay person that didn't pay attention in science class in high school <laughs> right, right. or college. I did pass, however. Uh, but, but as you I took, I took rocks for jocks. There so. we go. Yeah. Uh, I took algebra for English majors. That was a that was a yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not to go too far off. Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. The the professor showed up literally once a week. So <laughs> what'd you do the other two we, days? We, you know, we wait whatever it was, fifteen minutes, whatever his rank forced uh-huh. us to wait and then we'd leave and everybody passed so nice but she determines that the ship went down in the bermuda triangle which flynn then points out is actually a wormhole but kind of the the twist tonight is that things go in but they don't come out and and, and of course we kind of know that, that like the so, roach motel <laughs> right so that you know we don't find that initially surprising it's later when they open the portal that you know some new twists appear but the clipping book sends them to a venezuelan airliner that will crash in the bermuda triangle right which raises another question because now we're into really what essentially is time travel right yeah but kind of yeah so should they be mucking about with time and with fate and with history well, I guess you could say that it is their fate and history that they are on that plane. Okay, but what about the other people that they save? Yeah, well, that was my question once they send everyone back because it's like, first of all, I mean, to the rest of the world, this plane went down the Bermuda Triangle and then people just start popping up where they were meant to go, like coming out of random doorways. It's like, oh, wait, wait, uh, this. If we had 4,400 people, oh we could have them just randomly appear. Oh, let me write that down. Yeah, and we don't. could call it the 4,400. All right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Jenkins creates a back door to get them on the plane. But here's where the twist comes into play. The problem is they can get off the plane alive, but they can't get on alive. So, Wait, what? Well, that's what that's what Jenkins says. So, how do they? Well, they could get. No, see, that's the thing. So, so they could get out of, out of the Bermuda Triangle. Well, I I didn't. That's it, what. It's, so he's talking about the wormhole. Like they can, they they. Well, first of all, they get the thing that's just a one way trip. So they could get with that globe. They can get out of the wormhole, but because of physics, as they say. Um, not that I would say, oh, well, physics dictates that clearly. Well, um, well, Cassandra tries to explain the physics to right. Eve, and, and she and Jones argue about it. And, and we all were just like, uh, what? Um, but they can't get, so they can't survive the trip in, I guess, but they can get out. So that's why they need like the magic pill to get in to the wormhole. Exactly. And now here we come back sort of full circle to cassandra wanting to use magic when it's applicable and 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 certainly jones agrees and i love eve is consistent as as a character in that she listens and then says you know what you guys are right and and she's 
I don't want to say come a long way, but she's come a long way in, in you know, trusting the wisdom of, of these choices that the younger ones are making. And in this case, there really was no other way. Right. And here's where she's not Flynn, right? Because Flynn would just say, no, absolutely not. And which she says at first, no. But then, as you said, she hears him out and then says, okay, we'll go with your idea. Right. And, and, and what I thought was also significant is that Jenkins defers to her as well. He's kind of sitting off to the side listening. I was a little surprised, but again, this may be the only way. And, and, and we go back to, we're talking about the release of pure evil. I mean, at the heart of all of this. Right. Yeah. Desperate times require uh, desperate measures. Right. Sometimes you say, just have so. to take a, take a chance. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, Stone, meanwhile, has run the numbers of the flight numbers and dates of crashes, et cetera, come up with a theory that it's not random, but connects to the only poem in the, Amer- in the English language that contains this structure and pattern. It's a poem about loss of innocence and Eve recognizes uh, it as I, no, maybe it's not Eve that recognizes it as the walrus no. and the carpenter. It's probably Stone. Well, yeah, Stone says it's the wall, uh, and then uh, you know Flynn comes down the stairs quoting. So we uh, it appears Flynn kind of has puzzled it out about the same time as well, right? And and it's recited to Alice in, in Chapter Four of Through the Looking Glass by Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Sometimes it's also in the movie. Sometimes the listeners probably think that's who they're listening to here. <laughs> yeah, <it> could be. <laughs> uh, but I love how they again morph into the Alice in Wonderland world. Yeah. As they go down the wormhole, I, I, again, I just thought it was brilliantly done. And, and you know, yeah. it's really a dangerous path to take when, when, when you call on you know, an already existing story, which, you know, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about Doctor Who at the end here, but you did see it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is certainly something Doctor Who did in the 2016 Christmas episode. But but here, sure. again, I just think it was done so well. But before we get there, we've got the airport scene that you were mentioning earlier, where, where Eve and Flynn are playing out their real life issues, which supposed to be a scene where they just distract the Venezuelan equivalent of TSA guards. Right. Which they did. Right. So, you know, I, I'd be, I imagine I'd be pretty annoyed if I were a Venezuelan TSA guard. Uh, they made, didn't seem like it's too difficult to get through security there, you know? Well, it, it doesn't, but two things really stand out in this scene. One is that does Flynn really see Eve as a ball and chain? That, that, is the part that they're still kind of acting, you know, <clears throat> and then, are it, they? then, well, I think at first they are, because I, I don't think he sees her at all as any kind of ball and chain, you know, but it, it's that. So I don't think that was like that. It, they hadn't got real just yet at that point. Okay. Because he then follows it by asking whether it was a mistake to get personally involved. And then and I think that's where, that's where it gets real. And then the fundamental question, I'm either a screw-up or a hero. How do you want me? And, and the problem, It would be hilarious if she said, I want you to be a screw-up. Come on. Well, you know, I, I guess my problem with the – not so much the question, which I think is a valid question. It's the answer. I mean, I think we knew she was going to say the hero, but 
why does it have to be either? Why does he have to be either? Why can't her answer be, I want you to be who you are and leave it at that? So I, well, I don't I think he's asking her to see him as he is. You know, like I, I think the question he poses shows how ridiculous her view of him is in, in his mind that you see me at the as these polar opposites. How come you can't just see me for me? Right. And I think the fact that she apparently can't is pretty telling. Yeah, I don't I don't feel that she uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, because it doesn't seem like Eve is like this irrational person who only sees polaris. No, I, I agree. Ceiling. But again, she's been in this job far less than she's been in her military where so many things are either this or that. Right. True. True. And you wonder whether this is just something. I mean, look, we know it's it has nothing to do with the fact that oh well, she hasn't been in many relationships, so this is something new. Because we know that's not true, right? We we do know enough of her backstory that she has had relationships, so it's not right. that. I think it's what you were, were saying a second ago that you got to see me for who I am, not A over here or B over there. I mean, it's, there's something in the middle, and right. So. Well, they get on the plane, and the first surprise, and I'm not sure why this should be surprising, because what did they think? A plane was going to take off with no people in it? Yeah. Like, why were they surprised that people were on it? They really should have planned for that uh, contingency. Right. So then my question a few minutes ago is, should they try to prevent the plane from going down? Well, we understand why they're doing it, and... Obviously, it's the basic time travel dilemma. Should they change history? Now, Stone agrees with Eve that they need to turn the plane around. And I'm thinking, like, really? With kind of the fate of the world maybe hanging yeah. in the balance, you're going to turn the plane around? Yeah. And and that's that's kind of how they roll, though. You know, like they, they make decisions from the heart. And that is definitely a decision from the heart, not from the head. Because you're absolutely right. Like what they are combating is so perilous and could have such deadly consequences for all of the planet that while it's difficult to say, you know, that these few people uh, should be sacrificed for that. I mean, that's kind of, you know, like those few people need to be sacrificed. You know? well, well, sure. And, you know, the interplay between Noah Wiley and Rebecca Romaine in, in this episode, I think is about as good as it's been. And, and it's been really good through through two and a half seasons. Right. Uh, and, and it was nice. I, I think really what it comes down to is like as they, they did troubleshoot and problem solve and came up with a solution on the fly – uh, but it's really kind of unrealistic to think that they wouldn't have already done. I mean, of course, there's going to be other people on the plane. They would have known that. They would have planned for that already. It, they it wouldn't get on the plane. You know, I mean, I get it makes for like a more like, I wouldn't say comedic, but like the shock value adds intensity to the scene that they have to come up with a solution on the fly, literally on the fly. But honestly, if you think about it, like realistically, Clearly, they would have, you know, they should have and would have planned for the people on the plane already. No, well, that's true. Now, the other thing that's true is how deftly Noah Wiley has put this script together in 
the interplay between the serious, because this episode was overwhelmingly serious, which I loved, but again, it's librarians. So, you know, the scene where Eve then takes him into the bathroom to discuss what's going on here and, and they're getting physical. And of course, everybody in the cabin thinks they're in there having sex. Right. Because I guess a lot of them saw them, you know, having their little fight in the uh, terminal. But he gets what's going on. And look, you got to love, he quotes Mr. Spock. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. She's like, is that Aristotle? like, no, that's Spock in Wrath of Khan. Right. And, but it's so apropos that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. And then when he brings up the fact that what he's seen makes death look like a blessing and that the choices are between the horrible and the unthinkable, again, I always go back to my go-to show on, on this kind of choice, which is The Hundred, which is what makes that show so compelling because the, the characters just, there's there are no good options. And that's kind of what we have here. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, what we talk about with a bunch of, you know, it seems like almost every show we talk about involves someone having to make the tough choices, having to make the hard calls. And that's, part of having an important position. Right. And, and that's something that we don't see a lot in the librarians. So to see it here, I, I, again, I, I just think is, is really done well. But then Jones mentions that, uh, guys, you might want to come take a look at this or rather see what's not here, which is that passengers in the one section have disappeared, as have the pilots. Fortunately, we've got right. Eve, who has sure. some uh, flying skills. Yeah, she's done it before. Right. But we, we saw the DOSA agent back at the terminal. You know, it, To see him on the plane as one of the passengers is not surprising. I'm almost surprised they didn't uh, have somebody come up to him and ask him if he's the air marshal. Right. But his dress would be a bit too obvious. And on the other hand, I kind of like the fact that they continue to dress the DOSA agents like this, that it's almost like, you know, uh, I'm, you know, spying on you, but I'm not I'm sticking out like a sword. Exactly. And, yeah. and they don't even notice them. <laughs> right. But Flynn hypnotizing everybody that again, that's, one of the things that you and I agree on with the librarians, it's like, okay, that's cool, whatever. Sure, yeah, it's not quite believable, but I'll, 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 I'll roll with it exactly because that's how they're going to get them through yeah. through the portal, which to them appears to be that they're jumping out of the of the play <laughs> of the play. It's like I, I was just thinking, like I, as I watched it the second time, like could the portal not have been like to the bathroom or something like that? Like really, like. It's so so much more difficult to get people. All right, uh, the plane's going down. So just jump out, and uh, everything will be okay. So, yeah. But the fact that they think they're all pigs, and you know, uh, supposedly it may it will make them easier to herd through the door. I suppose that's why he did. He could have actually. I'm almost surprised that he didn't have them think they're sheep. Right. But then you wonder whether down the road, is that going to be some sort of a metaphor for something that's going to happen in the last four episodes? I don't know. Who knows? But I, know. I love the visual effects. And even though they're obviously green screened, there's something appealing about the way they have things look 
in Wonderland or, uh-huh. you know, in this. Uh, yeah. It was definitely otherworldly. Right. It's pretty cool. Right. Because, you know, going down the rabbit hole is, is certainly an apropos metaphor for the life that Flynn has chosen, right? He just jumps in and, and we could say that he jumps in without thinking. That probably wouldn't be accurate, though. Right. No, that's, that's definitely not accurate. Right. Now, he, he doesn't necessarily know what to expect down there, but he, you know, he makes that choice to go. But I just, you know, he, 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 realizing that he doesn't know what's on the other side, he, you know, he still chooses to make, to go, right? Because again, he's on point. He's, he's on mission here. Right. Now, I, by the way, I finished Brave New World this morning on, nice. on your recommendation. It was awesome. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've read any of the Lewis Carroll stuff. And, and really, this episode has, has really motivated me to, to go back and pull them off the shelf again. So uh-huh. you know, the fact that Cassandra, I'm assuming she's supposed to be the Red Queen, even though sure. she's wearing a white dress, right. you know, but it is trimmed in red. But, but the, the Red Queen, as I recall, is more in line with the whole chessboard uh, scenario, which, which you know, appears in Through the Looking Glass as well. But she forces Flynn to confront how his choices impact not only him, but those around him. And of course, that's what the intervention at the beginning of the episode was, was really all about. So he's got, right, but while the intervention was unsuccessful, this uh, is successfully gets him to, you know, reflect on his own shortcomings and, uh, you know, and realize basically only now does he realize what everyone was talking about in that intervention. Right. And I, you know, I, I loved how Cassandra played her because again, you know, the, the, the outfit, the makeup, especially, but it was just the attitude and, and the voice. And we've seen her do that subtly in other episodes, always to, to great effect, but here, wow, it, it was just, yeah, you know, so, He's got four questions that must be answered honestly. And again, his first response is not the truth or at least not the truth as everybody else sees it. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. The truth as it appears to him, but that's not what they're looking for. Right. Upon further reflection. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, he tells the truth finally, is able to advance, but then the, the questions start probing his attitude toward and his relationship with those he works and plays with. And then that third question, are you a caring friend? You know, as you said, the, the, fir- the intervention at the beginning didn't seem to affect him much, but here, I think that question maybe more than, than anything has got him thinking. Right, and then when he says no... The, the guy goes to spear him. Like, so the answer is not no, it, but it's not yes, though. I, you know, like he has to really think about it and come up with something beyond the simple yes or no answer to that one. Right. Now, after all of that transpires, we see Eve as the white queen with Jones as her oarsman. Now, the boat's name is Renee, and I, I don't know if that's significant. I, I think we're so used to watching shows where everything means something. Right. Sometimes, you know, a name is just a name and it, right. and it doesn't really, you know, maybe it's 
Noah, the, the name of Noah Wiley's daughter. <laughs> yeah, there's probably, there's, I'm sure there's some significance to it. But not necessarily to the story. But, right. But so, but they were pledged to guard the Eye of Ra, and there's a secret associated with the Eye. Teddy Chislington appears and informs Flynn of the association with the Eye and, and that he had designed a test only a librarian with a pure heart could pass. And I'm wondering, does this imply that there have been some less than noble librarians through the years? Well, or other people have tried. Not necessarily librarians. Oh, okay. So I wonder how they figured. Well, certainly they're, you know, whether well, Flynn found it, right? Well, he did, but he's a librarian. Other people, yeah, other people might have. You know, clever people over the last hundred plus years might have been able to kind of follow the same clues and figure it out. Okay. Though, how they get there? Because as we learned before. You would need some kind of magic pill in order to survive the wormhole, right? Yes. So, yep. But as we mentioned at the top of the show, we, you know, learning about the history of the Eye of Ra, for the Eye to pursue its gift, which in this case is to stop the run of pure evil, should it work its way into the world, that a sacrifice has to be made. And at first, when he says it, we're thinking like, well, okay, you know, I'll give up chocolate or whatever. But then it's real quickly, a life of Flynn's choosing must be taken. And whose life will he take? And and obviously, the writer, in this case, Noah Wiley, wants us to think that, that Flynn's going to take his own life when he says, I know what I have to do. Yeah, and And then that image of him alone against a white background pretty powerful yep yeah that no, is great all around the the, the, the scene in, in wonderland and everything was just uh you know again because it, it, ultimately it is just flynn and himself and dealing with his own you know with this terrible knowledge that he has that separates him from everyone else yeah. Except for Jenkins. Except apparently. for Jenkins, right. And, and then, of course, Flynn returns to the library, releases the passengers, including the DOSA agent, who they don't release. They've got him restrained. But Jenkins and Flynn are discussing the price tag that comes with the eye. And, and, and of course, this is Jenkins, so it's not surprising to him. And then he asks him to keep the price between the two of them because, uh, of course, if the others found out, I think somebody like Eve would say, look, I'm the guardian. Right. It, it should be me. And yeah. well, well, it's, it's no one's, it's, it's Flynn's decision though. Right. So he, well, you know, he, he, well, it is, but if everybody says pick me, then it's still his right. decision who to pick. Right. But it's the, his decisions, I mean, there's no decision. He's already made the decision. He knows when push comes to shove, whose life he's going to sacrifice. And it's going to be his. He's not going to pick someone else to sa- and sacrifice their life. Right. So whether something steps in to counterman that decision, I, I, I guess, is part of the beauty of the way this script was put together. Right. But clearly he wants to keep the information from Eve, and, and we certainly understand that. As you mentioned, Flynn seemingly has changed and, and asks Cassandra and Jones to figure out what to do next. And he asks Stone if he'd like to go have a drink. Yeah. And then that line, he's ready to go to war with good friends by my side. Yeah. So 
And then they have that kind of neat scene where they're all standing on a compass point of the floor and they're, uh, they're, as they put their hands into the middle, you know. Right. And and, and just, you know, wh- look, I, we've dropped little comments here and there over the last, uh, I don't know, few months or so about our experience with Lost Girl. And it, it certainly was more positive than not. But at this point, when he says, ready to go to war with good friends by my side, it, it brought me back to those scenes when – you know, Trick and the crew are are ready to go, whether it's against go to war with the Garuda or, you know, any of a right. number of, of wars right. that they had to fight and, and how everybody, despite conflicts, personal or otherwise, they they got together. And I think that's what we're going to see here, although the conflicts maybe aren't quite as severe. Right. So... All right, well, we get to the epilogue, and it's really short this week. We're at DOSA headquarters. The agent returns, but he's been transformed from a pig to a chicken, apparently. Yeah. And then we just briefly see General, I forget what her name is, Vanessa Williams. All right, yeah. all right, librarians, if that's how you want to play it. <laughs> so, you know, we've got, does she know they have the eye of Ra? Does she know the significance of the, you know, that's how you want to play it. You you wonder are we playing two different games here, which would be yeah. cool, right? Right. Yeah, I, I just you just still get the feeling that Dosa really is just kind of like clueless and it's kind of bumbling around here, and once again almost screwed things up by just getting in the way, right? Yeah. So, um, but but then you see Vanessa Williams and she doesn't look bumbling or incompetent; she looks harsh, right? She does absolutely. Which you wonder why are her agents? Right. Bumbling, but yeah, who knows? Maybe she just took over Dosa. Yep. And she's in the process of cleaning it up. But anything yeah, you want to say before uh, I give you my grade and then we do our little draft? Nope. I think that's. I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. Well, I'm going straight A. Uh, yeah, A for, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just really an outstanding episode. So, all right. Well, in terms of, I mean, I still do think even though all – indications are that it's going to be Flynn and and of course that could simply be a red herring I'm I still think it's going to be Flynn okay so okay so if not Flynn I took Flynn off the table so who do you think second would be okay so um this is a tough one see you know like at first thinking like well they could you know kill like Charlene that way, technically, a person on the team is killed, but it's not one of the main people. But if you know they, but you know, as you said, like is that like kind of being cheap? Like you announce that someone's going to die, you don't kill off one of the major characters. So does that mean is the audience going to be like, oh, you know, like so? I'm actually going to go with Eve, and here's why: not so much I, I don't, I don't want that to happen by any stretch of the imagination at all. I just think that Rebecca Romaine is, you know, she's got a pretty happening acting career as it is already before she started doing this. Um, so, you know, does she have another project? Does she want to go back to movies? Um, so I'm going to pick her just to think that, it, you know, maybe Rebecca Romaine's looking to get back into uh, making movies. Okay. So you went with the brave pick. I'm going to chicken out. Uh, I'm going to go with Charlene, and and I agree with everything you said, but that's who I think it, you know, would would be the next logical one. Okay. Well, then uh, the next one I think would be well, obviously probably Jenkins. 
would be uh, next my next pick there to go. Okay, so um, go ahead. No, just again, not absolutely not wanting that to happen, but you know, thinking that the, the you know the three main the young ones are hopefully like it's not either of them there. Okay, and, and I can see that, but to be honest, if if I was picking in your spot, I would pick Cassandra. Okay, well, there's your next pick I guess. because of the brain grape, right? Right. Yeah, and there's all and there have been these indicators like she wants to expand her use of magic and everything. So right, and and we don't know. We didn't research what projects the these actors are involved with when we are you know no. before making these picks. So right, right. Okay, so two left. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go. Well, so I'm gonna pick Ezekiel. Just I I, I definitely don't think it's gonna be Ezekiel because he. Is going to be okay, I think, no matter what happens. Um, but I don't want to pick, you know, Christian Kane's character at all. So I won't do that. <laughs> so I'll let you have it. We know what you're afraid of. <laughs> what am I afraid of? The Kaniac revenge. Uh, yes, yeah. right. I don't want the Kaniac backlash. That's right. Uh, uh, well, well, here's why I think it would be that Jones would be last man standing just because of who Ezekiel Jones is. Right. And granted, he's come a long, long way, but I just think that would just be poetic justice that he would be the, the last one sure. standing. So, sure. All right. So I'll, I'll I'll put this in the show notes as well, uh, so that anybody can take a look at it. But okay. Uh, well, I get one more pick because you got like an extra pick. So I'm just going to pick Vanessa Williams' character just to just so we can even out the the, the picks. Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. So uh, we got a few minutes. Let's let's just. Uh, make some general few specific comments about the doctor who 2016 Christmas special, the return of Dr. Mysterio written by Stephen Moffat. So first impression, you know, Oh, that doesn't sound good already. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't care for it as, I mean, it's Dr. Who and it was still great. It was still entertaining and, and, and fun and everything. Are you looking at my notes? uh, No, but just as far as like the uh in comparison to the other christmas episodes this one's pretty low down on the list i think yeah i mean i i liked it it was fun it was sweet it was it was like eating dessert you know yeah. it it tastes good going down but when you're done you know half hour hour later it, it, you're not really filled yeah, so and you got to poop. Well, <laughs> now I thought Peter Capaldi was epic. I, 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 I just always. thought he was awesome. He's always, always, always. Well, even more so. And I agree with you. I, I love Capaldi. And, and again, you know, I, I have some reservations about the new companion, but I'm I'm just going to go with Doctor Who because every time I have reservations, they blow me away, and I'm, yeah. I immediately am on board. I, with- I think she's going to be great. Uh, just from seeing the little bits I've seen her, she I think she's going to be great. Well, and, so. and I also love the fact that they brought Nardol back, and it appears as if we're going to see him at least for a while. Yeah, uh, as a companion of sorts, right? Not the companion, but but the overall story arc, the whole superhero homage, uh, specifically yeah. to Superman, uh, you know, was kind of meh. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Meh is a good word for it. I mean, I, I did like the part where he's like looking through the comic where he's like, hey, look at this. Look at this. He's like, Superman and Clark Kent are the same. And the kid looks at him like. <laughs> well, see, I that that's almost the part that I did like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, okay. and then, like, he points out, look, I even, I even drew specs on Superman. <laughs> Just, <laughs> right. And the little kid's like, well, duh. Who doesn't yeah. know that? <laughs> and of course, the doctor. But once we get past that, I mean, Justin Chatwin as Grant Gordon, because of course in a superhero that you have to have alliterative sure. names. Right. And then Charity Wakefield as Lucy. I, 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 I thought those two were really well played. I, I love both of them. Uh, you know, I loved when he goes, um, you know, well, I almost thought you would wear that red dress. So of course you knew right. she was going to come back wearing that right, red right. dress, which was rather stunning. Yeah. But, no, it's good. The characters were good. It just, you know, like it just You knew what was gonna happen every step of the way. Yeah. I think just the whole superhero thing just seemed at times it got a little silly, you know? Well, maybe that's what Moffat's trying to say here is that we've become uh too obsessed with the superhero genre and that this episode really on a deeper No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, again, end of the day, it was fun. Yeah. You know, if we were giving it a grade, I'd probably go ahead and give it a B. Yeah, B, B plus, but yeah. I mean, I might overgrade just because it's been so long. Yeah, a full year. And, and uh, I read somewhere. Uh, Dave, actually, I think the fridge might be here now. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, why don't we sign out? Because as you know, Wayne has said he needs cold food. Uh, cool. Go get your refrigerator. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you with follow-ups about any of the librarians episodes or anything else you think we should be watching. Also like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to discuss Season 3, Episode 7, titled The Librarians and the Curse of Cindy. But until then... All right. Well, you know what, Dave? I think I built up an armor of confidence to hide the fact that I'm never more than two steps away from a full-on panic attack. <laughs>